What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, here it is, another exciting episode of Positively Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me, of course, is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you on this lovely Saturday morning we find ourselves recording this episode? I am doing just fine. You know, I got up this morning and I made breakfast for me and for my wife. Not for my kids. I let them do their own thing because they like to do their own thing. But yeah, I'm doing well. And it's good to hear that this is yet another exciting episode of Positively Try. Well, I like to think so. You know, I'm always excited to record it. So my morning was spent basically jumping out of bed and rushing to get down here to prepare for the episode because we're in different time zones. So it's a little earlier for me here than it is for you. But uh, yeah, definitely fun to record another episode of this really fun project that we've been doing. Yes. Yeah, so what are we going to talk about this morning? We're not going to talk about what we have for breakfast. No, I don't think so, because I actually haven't had breakfast yet, and I'm extremely jealous. Mm. <laughs> but no, uh, there's actually a surprising amount of news that's come out this week. So uh, some good, some bad, some, you know, interesting stories. So uh, we'll start out with, first of all, there's a new Star Trek novel, and it was actually released last week. And that is the Kelvin Timeline Star Trek novel, The Unsettling Stars by Alan Dean Foster. So uh, this is another new novel to sink your teeth into, but it's unique in that it's the first adult novel, non-young adult novel set in the Kelvin Timeline. So the history of this novel is kind of interesting because it was slated for release about 10 years ago, a full decade ago now. And was only now released because of contract negotiations stuff. They weren't going to release the Kelvin Timeline novels. There were four of them. They were all kind of shelved. And now we're finally getting to see one of them. You said this episode was going to be exciting. Well, I'm excited about this novel. And, well, I have mixed thoughts on it. So one is that, yeah, you know, every time I go see a Star Trek movie, I'm always 
thinking about, ooh, wow, there there could be a, a novel about that, or ooh, I'd like to see that character maybe spun off into a novel or a comic or whatever. And so when I saw Star Trek 09, I was like, oh, this is great. We could get novels about the Kelvin timeline, like what happened between the time the, of the Kelvin and the time we saw Kirk going into the Academy, like what happened in the Federation and Starfleet and, and that sort of thing that are different than this timeline. So I'm hoping that we get books that fill that out. I haven't read it yet, but this book is after that movie, that first movie. So it's another adventure with these characters. So I'm excited to read about that. But I also would like to get some books that explore other aspects of this different timeline. So I'm hoping we get that at some point. We did get comics, but again, it focused more on the crew. We got some things that focused on Vulcan and other things, but I really looking forward to reading this one. And then there's another one coming out later this year. I think it's by David Mack. And that was one of the original ones, too, from 10 years ago that never got published. So after a decade, we're finally getting these books. Yeah, and I think that novel is called More Beautiful Than Death, and that will be uh, coming in a few months as well. So I know for one thing, the David Mack novel is one that he has gone on the record as saying that he's very proud of and was pretty sad that nobody was able to read it for a while. So I'm really glad that's finally going to get into the hands of the public. Yeah, and now this book, this uh, the Unsettling Stars novel, written by Alan Dean Foster, he has agreed to come on Literary Treks. So he'll be on episode, I think, 302, which will drop on May 10th. So we will be interviewing the author of that book. And Alan Dean Foster has a rich history with Star Trek. He wrote the Star Trek log books that were based on the animated series in the 70s and also was uh, one of the creators behind the story, if not the story writer for the motion picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to him. Someone with a very rich history with Star Trek, not just with this recent novel, but a long history going back many years that uh, I'm really excited to learn more about. Yeah, me too. So next up, we have a kind of unfortunate news story, and this is uh, out of San Diego. San Diego Comic-Con 2020 has been canceled due to the coronavirus, COVID-19. And this is kind of not unexpected news. We kind of saw this coming, but uh, the resulting lockdown of the coronavirus pandemic has led to the canceling of San Diego Comic-Con for the first time in its 50-year history. So, you know, this is pretty major. SDCC was somewhere where a lot of different shows, a lot of different films and properties made announcements and had panels and that sort of thing. So, you know, there was an expectation, of course, that Star Trek was going to once again have a large showing at San Diego Comic-Con, which it has had in the last few years. So, you know, if, for example, there were going to be any new shows announced, Cough, Pike series Cough, uh, it might have been at San Diego Comic-Con, but that is uh, not going to be happening. It's pretty much everything in Hollywood is just uh, had a big pause button pushed on it lately, which is really unfortunate. I wasn't planning to go to San Diego Comic-Con. I haven't been. Uh, Maybe one day I'll go. So for me, I'm just, eh, you know, I'm not really all that disappointed because I wasn't going anyway. And if there's any big news to announce, they don't need to do it at this venue. They can do it at any time. So if they want to announce any kind of new series or movies or whatever, they can do that anywhere. They don't have to do it at this event. But I feel bad for those people who are planning to attend 
But yeah, it's unfortunate. But you know, there's always next year. You can go next year. Yeah, no, it is unfortunate. I've never been myself either, but I, I enjoy the live tweets from the events and that sort of thing. And yeah, for the people who like to go, it's definitely a bummer. Uh, apparently, the San Diego Convention Center uh, has been repurposed as a homeless shelter during the pandemic. Uh, so, you know, that space is being put to good use, if not for uh, Comic-Con. And I, I got to say, this use is probably more beneficial <laughs> at the moment than a large Comic-Con that would feature lots of people in close contact with each other would be at this time. So uh, a very prudent decision. Now, I guess all that kind of remains is to see is what happens with Star Trek Las Vegas and Star Wars Celebration. Are those still going to go ahead? My money's kind of on probably no at this point. I think those events will probably be canceled as well, but uh, we don't know that for sure yet. But uh, San Diego Comic-Con, first time in 50 years, kind of a, kind of a big deal there. That's uh, unfortunate. Wait, when they say first time in 50 years, does that mean this is its 50th anniversary? I, that's a good question. <laughs> so in the statement on the official site, Comic-Con International stated that for the first time in its 50 year history, there will be no Comic-Con held in San Diego. So yeah, I don't know. Is that exactly 50 years or are they rounding? Because if it was the 50th anniversary, that's really like, hey, it's our 50 <laughs> years. Oh, we're going to cancel. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. So another news story that recently is gaining attention is LeVar Burton confirming discussions to appear in Star Trek Picard. And this has kind of hit the um, news recently. He had an interview on Entertainment Tonight. And of course, he was interviewed from home by remote because, you know, he's responsible like the rest of us and he's staying at home, doesn't need to be out. But he was asked if there was a potential for him to return to the role of Jordy LaForge on Star Trek Picard. And apparently he was a little cagey at first, didn't want to get himself into trouble, of course. But he did hint more directly. So he says, and I quote, I think it is reasonable to assume that those people are still a part of Picard's life. Sure, what the hell? Yeah, absolutely. So, hmm, interesting. It looks like we might see Jordy LaForge. And then he also dropped this tidbit. He said, you will see us all. Probably not all at the same time, although never say never. So it sounds like we're getting probably more cameos, more appearances by the classic TNG crew in season two and beyond of Picard. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear some of these stars come out and say this stuff and, and, you know, be a little bit beating around the bush, but still definitely dropping some big hints there. Yeah, this isn't any big surprise to me. I'm sure they're always kicking around the idea that they're going to bring some of these cast members back. And it wouldn't even surprise me that these actors talk to Patrick Stewart since they're a close group and say, hey, uh, you think there's any chance? You know, because they're, you know, they want to do it because they enjoy it. But also, you know, it's work. <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. Patrick's like, oh, you know, I'm sure yeah, there's, there's been some talk. I'll let you know, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> I mean, this doesn't surprise me. I think the one character and the one actor that I would really like to hear from is related to Beverly Crusher, because we've heard no indication about this character in this timeline. We know that Jordy is still around because he he was mentioned and Worf was mentioned in one of the episodes. And we know Jordy was at... uh 
at the Mars shipyard, you know. So, I mean, we know that they're around. We have heard no indication of Dr. Crusher. Yeah, and that's, like like you, kind of the one character that I'm most curious about, partially because we've heard absolutely nothing, probably the only character who's not had any kind of hints or indications, but also because that character has such an impact on Picard's life and was so important to Picard in TNG in the films. So, yeah, wherefore art thou Beverly? I, I want her in... Picard, or at least some sort of indication that it's been considered? I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure it's been considered. I I mean, I feel like they're holding it off for a reason, you know? Because, I honestly, of all the characters, she's the one I'm probably the most interested in because of what you just said. He had a more intimate relationship with her. So what happened to that relationship? We've seen in All Good Things that they were married. We've seen in the novels them being married and now we're seeing this which is a different timeline to all those and it's like so what happened to those two characters together and there's been no indication so it's just piqued my interest of like hmm is she even still alive did they ever get married or did they go separate ways it's like i'd like to know that well i mean the i think the only person who can give us some uh, indication on that would be the character herself. So here's hoping we actually get to see her at some point or get a name drop at least or something. But speaking of characters and name drops, and this is a horrible segue. So I'm going to say Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil have taken their cue from us and decided to start a podcast. So Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil are launching a Star Trek Voyager rewatch podcast, and it's called the Delta Flyers, which I have to say, I think is just a perfect name. That's excellent. And uh, yeah, their timing couldn't be better because this year Voyager is celebrating its 25th anniversary and, you know, rewatch podcasts are kind of all the rage. They're a lot of fun. I've recently listened to the recently wrapped the West Wing Weekly, which was doing a rewatch of episodes of the West Wing all the way through its seven year history. So in this one, they'll be watching all seven seasons of Star Trek Voyager and you can watch along and listen to this podcast with Tom Paris and Harry Kim talking about the show. So what do you think about this, Bruce? Is this a podcast you're going to subscribe to? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'll listen to it. And if I don't like it, I'll stop listening to it. But I have a feeling (laughs) I like it. I've been trying to do a rewatch of Voyager. And I haven't been able to accomplish that. And no, it has nothing to do with, oh, well, you don't like Voyager that much, I guess. It's not that. I try to do it with the other series, too. What happens is when I start to do a rewatch of these shows or these series... I all of a sudden want to see another episode because it's something we're discussing in a novel and literary tracks or or on our live show or something. And then I I jump ahead to that. And then I watch the next episode out of that. And now I'm like, okay, well, now I'm out of order. And then I stopped doing my rewatch because I started jumping around. This will at least keep me on track because I'm going to watch each episode with them. I mean, not physically in the room with them, of course, but as they release each podcast episode, that will prompt me to watch that episode of Voyager. So I'm excited to listen to this for that reason, to keep me on track of a rewatch, but also because they worked on the show. Whether they're mm-hmm. the actors or the people behind the scenes or writers, I would like any podcast that involves anybody who worked on the show because they're bringing something more to it than just 
their review of it, a fan review, they're coming in from the perspective of being there and they can give us some anecdotes to what happened on the set at that time. So I'm really excited to hear this. And and they're two people that have great personalities and should be a lot of fun. Definitely, yeah. They're a lot of fun to listen to talk at conventions and that sort of thing. When I was listening to the West Wing Weekly, one thing they frequently did was bring on other actors and producers and people who had been on this show. So I'm wondering if there are plans to do that as well. Maybe use some of their connections, bring Robert Beltran or uh, Kate Mulgrew or any of the other actors and producers behind the scenes onto the show to talk about it. I think that would be really cool. Uh, But regardless, even just hearing these two talk about these older episodes of Voyager as they make their way through the seven seasons is going to be a lot of fun. Now, the first episode is going to drop in early May, according to the pair. And uh, if you want more details, you can find them on Twitter at the Delta Flyers and get updates as to how that project is coming along there. So very excited and I'm wishing them well on their podcast journey. Well, a final news story I want to talk about is kind of one that's been making buzz lately. Uh, Rosario Dawson recently spoke to uh, Variety's After Show about a number of things to do with her career. Now, Rosario Dawson is an actor who you may know from uh, the Netflix Marvel television shows. She's been on there and, and she's kind of a prolific Hollywood actor. She's had a lot of roles here and there, but she's also a self-professed huge Star Trek fan. And over the years, she's, you know, raised her hand when uh, the subject of guesting on Star Trek has come up. She's, you know, petitioned to be in the J.J. Abrams movies. She's long wanted to be a part of the franchise. And uh, another thing that she's recently made news for is the rumor of the potential casting of her in The Mandalorian as a fan favorite character. Uh, spoilers if you're avoiding Star Wars interesting spoilers, but apparently she's been cast as Ahsoka Tano in season two of The Mandalorian. Not confirmed, but uh, definitely an interesting rumor that's been going around. But in this interview, she also brought up the subject of Star Trek because, as I said, she's been long a huge Star Trek fan. She's professed an interest in playing Q on Star Trek Picard and or Star Trek Discovery, uh, saying, I just want to be on with Jean-Luc Picard. She's very excited about Star Trek, wants to be in the series. And she knows her Star Trek because uh, this is her her quote here. She says, uh, my dad said I should be Q because male Q, female Q, young Q, they are all just Q. It's the Q continuum. It would be great. So, you know, she's a Star Trek fan. She knows that when she says Q, she doesn't just mean the Q that's played by John Delancey. They're all called Q. I love that little bit of Star Trek knowledge she dropped there. Yeah, it really feels like she's on a campaign to get jobs. <laughs> you know, because I do, I'm on Star Wars Report, we cover Star Wars stuff, and we've been just talking about her, like you said, appearing on The Mandalorian, and now here I am on the Star Trek podcast, we're talking about her in Star Trek. I'm like, and everything's rumors, you know? And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but hey, that's fine. I mean, if she wants to play Q, fine. I mean, I... I, I I don't really have an opinion either way. I mean, my own real opinion is I really don't want, I don't want to say I don't want Q, but I just don't like going back to the well all mm-hmm. the time. 
And I don't want Q to be in something just to have Q into something. But if we had Q and Picard, I'd really like to see John Delancey. You know. I would love to see John Delancey reprise that role again. And, uh, you know, they don't even need to de-age him. And, you know, they, they could have some reason for him to show up as his older self. I don't, you know, I don't need to be have everything be absolutely perfect. He's Q. He has reasons for doing whatever he wants to do. That's fine. I want them to de-age him like they did with Data. But yeah, I mean, I'm open to whatever. But yeah, if she's that big of a fan, I ask her, as we're sitting here now, I'm asking her to come on the show and let's let's discuss this. Let's figure out, you know, what other roles you could play. So let us know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, so Rosario Dawson in Star Trek, I think would be interesting. I don't know much about this actor besides the few roles that I've seen her in, other than the fact that, like I said, she's a she's a big Star Trek fan and kind of a big name out there. So I thought it would be kind of fun uh, in the what we have left of this episode to talk a little bit about some of the bigger names that have made appearances in Star Trek over the years. And one thing I want to avoid, because I absolutely hate this, is when you get a video on YouTube or one of those list videos that say things like, you know, 20 actors that you didn't know were in Star Trek. Well, excuse me, video, I knew they were in Star Trek, and I'm sure lots of other people knew they were in Star Trek too. So we're not going to talk down to people, we're just going to talk about some interesting people who have been in Star Trek over the years. And a lot of these are really well known, but there are a few that uh, definitely surprised me when I first learned about them. So a few that people have heard before, and uh, this one was uh, no surprise to me, was Kirsten Dunst has appeared in Star Trek before uh, as Hedril in the TNG episode Dark Page. And Dark Page is the episode where Luxana Troy comes on board the Enterprise and she has kind of repressed memories of Troy's younger or sorry older sister who had died tragically when she was really young and Kirsten Dunst played a young girl that reminded Luxana of this character yeah and this is yeah in her younger years and I remember her being such a big deal of a child actor at that time and she still is a big deal and uh, I remember my boss had a picture of himself with her at this age in his office because we did some promotion with, gosh, what movie was she in? It was the, the movie, the vampire movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm assuming it's Interview with a Vampire. Yes. It was kind of her big breakout role. Yeah, that was it. So we, yeah, we had like some promotion with them. And so there was, I don't remember. I wasn't at the event for whatever reason. But yeah, that's that's my memory of her at this age <laughs> is that picture because it was always sitting there on his desk. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she didn't have those ears like she has in this episode, which look really fake because I'm just looking at a picture right now with her wearing those ears. It just looks like a, a Halloween costume, a cheap thing that somebody just put on top of their ears. Are those even ears? I think it was supposed to be like a larger brain thing because they were a very telepathic species. That was always kind of my assumption. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're just big, like weird mm-hmm. looking. I don't know. But yeah. Well, one actor who also appeared in The Next Generation who wasn't wearing a ton of makeup, uh, she didn't play an alien. She played a human. Uh, this is Ashley Judd, who played Robin Leffler in two episodes of The Next Generation, Darmok, 
and most famously in the game where she was kind of a bit of a flirtation love interest for Wesley Crusher, who was visiting the ship. So, you know, Wesley Crusher got to flirt with with Ashley Judd. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was very jealous at the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I yeah, she was one of my Star Trek crushes. I don't have many of them, but she was definitely one of them. We're about the same age. So yeah, she was right up my alley, I guess. <laughs> but no, I really like this character too, because I like Leffler's laws. And then we've seen her progress through the Star Trek New Frontier novels. Yeah, she definitely became a larger character in the Litverse, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it was kind of great reading those novels because you get to picture Ashley Judd in the role as well, which is, you know, that's kind of a nice bonus. And when I see her in movies, more recent movies, I always picture her. I always think that's Leffler if she was like in a Star Trek movie right now. Well, uh, yeah. So more Star Trek The Next Generation guest stars. Mick Fleetwood. uh, This one is... Uh, kind of known in fan circles, but you definitely would not recognize him. Uh, in the second season TNG episode, Manhunt, he played an Antedian assassin, and he was basically one of those fish people that Worf said, what a handsome race, when he looked at them. Uh, and, and they were, you know, under a ton of makeup. He was planning to bomb this conference and Loxana Troy discovered the plot. Mick Fleetwood, of course, from the band Fleetwood Mac. So I always thought that was kind of a neat little bit of cameo role for someone pretty cool. It is, but I never understood it. I always thought this is the strangest cameo ever because there's nothing for him to really do. He's just walking around. He's not really even acting and you don't even know it's him. It's like if someone said, hey, Bruce, I want to put you in, in an episode of Star Trek, I'd be really excited. And if they put that fish costume on me, I'm like, well, you might as well make me a lamp. You know, you could have me stay in the corner, <laughs> put a lampshade on me. I'm not really even doing anything. I'm not even being even seen. So I, that's a strange one to me. Mm-hmm. I always just assumed he really wanted to be on Star Trek and like didn't care how he was on Star Trek. There was just, you know, it's like, I want to be on Star Trek. I want to meet Patrick Stewart or something. I, I don't guess. know. <laughs> but then, I'm, I, you know, it's probably hot in that thing, too. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I personally would not want to be under a huge costume like that. No, I, I'm I'm hoping those sets are nicely air conditioned, but I don't know. <laughs> I would hope so. Well, another one from TNG, a favorite actor of mine, Famke Janssen, uh, who played Kamala in The Perfect Mate. Now, Famke Janssen, you may know her from the X-Men films. She played Jean Grey, uh, as well as, you know, numerous roles in Hollywood over the years. I I love Famke Janssen and the fact that she had this role in TNG. Not my favorite episode. I, I'm not a huge fan of the episode, but uh, her performance, I think, is really good in this one as well. Yeah, I forgot that she was in this uh, until we started going. Through. I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, because I think of her as on X-Men. She gets to, it's kind of cool because I never make the connection that, of course, in both of these, she's acting alongside Patrick Stewart. So it's kind of cool that there's this long relationship there. When she plays Jean Grey in the X-Men, she had worked with Patrick Stewart years before that, which is kind of cool. Never thought about it until we're talking about it today. (laughs) Uh, Well, one more from TNG. And it's kind of funny. TNG seemed to like the big name, beautiful Hollywood starlets because Terry Hatcher also appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation 
in a lot of people's favorite episode, and I say that sarcastically, the outrageous Okana. She played the transporter chief, Robinson, who uh, Thadian Okana flirts with and does more with later in the episode as well. So Terry Hatcher, you may know, uh, I think most famously, I know her uh, as Lois Lane from Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, but also numerous roles that you might have seen her in over the years as well. I have always been a big Superman fan, but I never really could get into that series of Lois and Clark. And I, I've been wanting to watch it again, but I can't find it anywhere unless I buy DVDs or something. But I watched her more often uh, in Desperate Housewives. Mm, right. Yeah, that was her other big role. So that was a very popular show. And we watched that. My wife and I watched that for every season. So we've seen every episode of that. I also think of her from an episode of Seinfeld because I'm a big Seinfeld mm-hmm. fan. So she was also in that. So, yeah, Terry Hatcher's been around different uh, things. So it, this was very much early in her career. There's one in particular that I wanted to talk about because this one was genuinely a surprise to me when I figured it, when I found this out, you know, other people, they're recognizable. I've seen them. Mick Fleetwood, obviously not so much, but others, you know, you see them and you see them years later in other roles and you're like, oh, I remember them on Star Trek. But this one kind of blew my mind. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's uh, kind of big in Hollywood at the moment, has a good career going probably most famous recently for playing Negan in The Walking Dead. Jeffrey Dean Morgan actually guest starred on an episode of Enterprise in the third season. In the episode Carpenter Street, he played a Zindi named Damron. And uh, you definitely cannot be blamed for not recognizing him because he's under all that Zindi makeup, the Zindi reptilian. Uh, So... Yeah, this was a surprise to me. I had no idea he was in Star Trek until years later. Yeah, I didn't know that until you were telling me before the show. So that is a big surprise here. Yeah, and kind of unfortunate story for him. So uh, in a 2012 interview with Entertainment Weekly, he told them that he only took the role of Damron because he needed some money to pay his bills. And he was recalling the experience of playing a Zindi reptilian as being very unpleasant. Uh, he said that he had to stick straws in his nose to breathe, was claustrophobic the entire time, and that he couldn't eat. And he said in this interview, he also remembered going home in tears and claimed that he nearly quit acting because of his experience on Star Trek Enterprise. So, man, that's that's really sad to learn that, you know, we almost didn't have Negan and, you know, this wonderful career of Jeffrey Dean Morgan's right now uh, because of Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> they could have just ruined it for all of us. I, you know, but I don't blame him though, because as you know, an amateur actor guy who's done some acting, whatever, but yeah, I'm not like an actor, but I've done acting, but it, I, I, you know, as much as I, I love Star Trek, I really don't think I would want to do Star Trek for those kind of reasons. And the only thing I would like to do is like a, maybe a one episode thing or a movie where I'm not in a costume of an alien with makeup. And I, I do not want to sit in a chair for several hours and I don't want to breathe through straws and I don't want to have to drink shakes because I can't eat. <laughs> I don't want to be uncomfortable is my point. And, you know, the long hours of a series, these poor people work, you know, 14, 16, 18 hours a day, whatever it is. And I, ugh, it sounds 
miserable to me. Mm-hmm. I love Star Trek, but my gosh, I could not handle that work. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be happy. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember kind of speaking of stars who have been on Star Trek or wanted to be on Star Trek. I was reading uh, the background information for Deep Space Nine, and apparently Frank Sinatra Jr. had approached them and saying that he wanted to be on the show in some capacity. So they created the character that came to be known as Vic Fontaine. And that was originally supposed to be Frank Sinatra Jr. And they presented the idea of the character to him. And he said... No, no, no. I want to be like an alien. I don't I don't want to be a, a I don't want to be me. <laughs> so they went with James Darren, but you know, there's there's a guy that wanted to be under all that makeup and stuff. So that's kind of interesting. I would want to be like a Christian Slater. Just have like yes. one brief scene in a Starfleet uniform and just say I've done it and I'm in Star Trek. That's it. That's it. <laughs> when he was in Undiscovered Country, just something simple like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, there, like I said, there are so many more that have been in Star Trek. There's, of course, Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been in Star Trek before. You know, Iggy Pop, Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. She was on Saturday Night Live. Big fan. Absolutely. Definitely agree. I'm going to throw it out there to the listeners. Tweet to us at Positively Trek. Who is your favorite big name guest star or maybe even not a big name, just a guest star that you really enjoyed seeing on Star Trek? Let us know at Positively Trek on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And Bruce? You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening to another episode of Positively Trek. We'll see you in a week. Stay safe, stay sane, and have a great week. See you around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.